What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smarkout Moments Smack Talk Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Tony Mango. Joining me on the panel, Robert DeFelice. I am not Callum Wiggins. No, you are not Callum Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you went with that, but okay. <laughs> I don't know either. I try, to, try to be funny. Like... Let's have a good time here. Yeah, let's pass it around. You are also not. Uh, then I just start naming other people that have been on there, of course. <laughs> I'm not Peyton. I'm not Drew White. I am Harvard please. <laughs> oh, and this is not TLC. This is Extreme Rules. Um, <laughs> so at least TLC didn't get moved to this night. Let's move somewhere else on the card uh, on the schedule. And In they December. actually didn't even um, put that up on the little preview thing that they had tonight. They did. That commercial. I didn't remember seeing it, TLC on that. They just, uh, they showed it at the end. At the very end, when they ran through all the pay-per-views again, they put it after Survivor Series. Oh, uh, okay. Well, yeah, that seems like December now. And they didn't say uh, anything about Clash of Champions, so then that does seem like they really pulled that. Eh, not that bad. But bizarre. Very bizarre. I still think Survivor Series should be called Bragging Rights Plus Clash of Champions. <laughs> you know. Basically, what it is at this point. That's another Wait, discovery. Well, well you can't mess with history. Yeah. Uh, was that actually uh, news that happened over the past couple of days for the hot tags, or is that last week's hot tags? That was hot tags for this week. Huh. Okay. I don't even have that on my notes. Uh, you'll hear about this a little bit more uh, tomorrow, I guess, everybody. Anyway, uh, Extreme Rules. That's what we're talking about here. We're going to run down the pay per view, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, and everything else along the way. Starting off with the uh, kickoff, the pre-show was a typical hour long. I have zero notes down for it other than the matches themselves. And uh, I know that they had the typical kind of panel and they did that kind of thing. But I don't remember there being any standout, like, extra things. Were there? So the the note I have is Finn Balor was invited onto the panel and he said the line, if being enemies with Stephanie means getting back in the universal title picture then Stephanie is my enemy. Leading hmm. me to believe that maybe Balor will be a leading force on Monday Night Raw now that it looks like they're finally moving towards getting a permanent Universal Champion. Yeah, there was uh, two things that happened throughout the night where Kurt Angle said, all right, if Brock Lesnar doesn't show up on Raw tomorrow, I'm stripping him of the title. It's like, okay, finally, they're doing something here. But well, of course, it seems like it's built to SummerSlam. He said that he can either show up tomorrow or agree to terms of his next offense or you're getting stripped of the title, which means that tomorrow we will know something for sure about Brock Lesnar. Or they'll dance around it all fucking night. <laughs> I mean, even if they dance around it and they go, hey, guess what? He's defending against Lashley and Reigns at SummerSlam. At least we know. He's defending it at SummerSlam. Oh, I don't even know if that's going to be the case. I could totally see them being a scenario where they're like, all right, if he doesn't appear by the end of the night and then something happens where like somebody jumps Kurt Angle and then it's like, oh, well, he's not there to actually say that Kurt Angle uh, or that Brock Lesnar wasn't there and that kind of bullshit. Like they could really do something like that. No, no, Tony, we're moving towards positive things. You're, <laughs> you're I'm going to take, take us into the realistic side of things <laughs> where I can't, I can't trust WWE anymore. <laughs> I've got um, you've got trust know. issues, you know, and trust issues. Buyers probably remorse. well deserved, probably well deserved. <laughs> but I'm kind of getting my hopes up for 
Brock Lesnar showing up and maybe Braun Strowman just cashes in tomorrow night. I totally would love that. (laughs) I would even be okay with that, even in the sense of not having that, like, the title change template already up. Like, fuck it. All right, do it. Um, Yeah, I don't don't really have anything else, uh, anything pre-show wise. Um, Well, they did the the two matches. Yeah, the matches. Um, one of them was Andrade Cien Almas defeating Sin Cara. If you didn't see that on SmackDown, then it's basically the same kind of thing. Which is finding uh, very curious because why did they wait? And they didn't do this match on the Money in the Bank card, which would have made sense because they were building it around that time. They purposely stalled and stretched it out as long as they could. Did it on SmackDown this week just to do it on the pre-show? Why wouldn't they have well, just apparently done it on the pre-show? Sin Cara was battling some kind of injury. Huh. I thought that this was just like them not knowing what the hell to do. Me too, but it turns out he was battling some kind of injury that they mentioned on during the match itself. And uh, Corey Graves had such a good line on commentary because we're about a minute into the match and he I guess the story they were telling was Zincara was really helping almost in Mexico and he was a great trainer to him. And Corey just goes Listen, the guy never takes off his mask. For all we know, this is a completely different Sin Cara than the one that helped Amos along in Mexico. And they just kind of laughed and moved on, and I thought that was hilarious. Maybe it is. I mean, we've had two Sin Caras. I think it is. I think this is probably a story where maybe Mystico helped (laughs) Amos, because I know he was a bigger deal in Mexico. I don't know who Unico was in Mexico, but... You know, you never know. I just thought that was very funny. Although at this point, it would get really too confusing when it comes with the different colors because we'd have Sin Cara Negro, Sin Cara Azul, Sin Cara Tie-Dye, I guess today was <laughs> the Sin Cara. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the new gear and I don't like the new mask either. Nah. I do like the little thing with um, Almas wearing the mask and stuff, though. I like that. The um, temporary mask that he takes off at the beginning of the match or beginning of his entrance. Zelina Vega. Thumbs Ooh. up. <laughs> Make a case yeah. for the tournament. Yeah. Strong case. <laughs> Which, by the way, everybody, if you have not checked out the tournament, the um, Sexiest WWE Superstars tournament is currently on round four, the semifinals. So uh, I went ahead and I did that last night to schedule that. We're on the final two matches of the both things, so go ahead and vote as soon as you can. We'll break those down uh, I don't know, Um, some point on Thursday, probably, or so, Uh, along with the mailbag. So you'll hear our opinions about that coming up, but go ahead and vote as soon as you can. Um, Do you want this feud More. with Amis and Sakaar to continue much further than this, or are you okay no, with it No, I think, I think they got the point across that Amis is here, he's great, Zelina's great, Sankara served his purpose, now hopefully we can get something meaningful going for Amis. And it's not like, well, he's kind of wasting away on the undercard because mm-hmm. we don't have anything for him. Only wrestling on live events and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the other match on the pre-show was the tables match between the New Day and Sanity. Uh, Sanity wins well, that one. Hold on. Before we get there, we had a really awkward Shinsuke Nakamura segment where you... W- Oh, that was great. (laughs) I forgot about that. That was great. With him just pretending like he had a bad connection and just smiling awkwardly and being 
being heel Shinsuke Nakamura. Like and it. then when uh, he called Sam Roberts a clown, and then he tells Booker T, yes, artist to artist, we have good match. And it was just like, okay, that was Shinsuke Nakamura, everybody. Thumbs up. I liked it. And uh, the great Dolph Ziggler promo, but we can always get more into Ziggler later on. Yeah, I liked how he, when Booker T was like, you're you're back in my fave five, and he's like, that would mean a lot to some people. <laughs> and I mean that. That means a lot to some people back there. <laughs> uh, the match itself, the Sanity tables match, the Sanity wins, elbow drop from Eric Young through uh, the table with Kofi Kingston. Not I like the bite. Yeah, the biting I, was kind of fun. Um, the match itself wasn't all that bad, but it could have been more entertaining, I think. Um... The spot that really stood out to me was the... It looked like they were going to do a Tower of Doom with five guys. And New Day actually gets two members of Sanity up in a powerbomb position. And Kofi does like this double foot stomp off of their powerbomb position. It just looked really cool. Like, Kofi is so underrated and I love him. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of Kofi. He's just one of those guys you could trust to go out there and do something fun. Um, Killian Dane was wearing a shirt. Smart choice. (laughs) I I really hope that this isn't a thing like Owens where, you know, management's like, you're too fat. Don't show your stomach. You know, I I hope it's not like that. I I think it's more the back hair than anything else. Um, anything else for the pre-show? Yeah. So the new day, all they do is talk about pancakes and cereal. Why are they not called the Breakfast Club? <laughs> well, I think that they need to add a couple more people in the mix because they they've got the smart guy, and they've got like I guess you can kind of say like the weird one is Big E, so he's like the Ali Sheedy, <laughs> but he's not like a goth or anything. Well, you've and... got Brian. Brian can. I mean, not Brian. Byron can be the quirky guy who brought a flare gun to school. <laughs> Who's going to be Judd Nelson, though? Um, Booker T. Sure, why not? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down for this. New stable. Uh, and then the last thing they showed was Ronda Rousey coming into the building. And I don't appreciate this. Ronda Rousey is not a real fan. She didn't even bother to watch the pre-show. Hmm. Who was the woman that was next to her? I don't know. She's thing? been with her through a lot of things. They show her a lot. When she's doing like backstage stuff, maybe that's her sister-in-law or sister or something. Oh, maybe yeah, because her husband was there, but um, she—I don't remember her being anybody. Like, so I don't remember them saying anything of being like, you know, oh, that's MMA. They did not acknowledge her at all, so she must be just a close personal family friend Mm. or family member. Makes sense. Uh, The Raw Tag Team Championship match was the opener of the card. Beyond the pre-show, the Deleters of Worlds against the B-Team. And as we were talking about before, that this was a possibility, the B-Team have been more over than Matt Hardy and Wyatt recently. And they win the titles. Not here tonight, buddy. Uh, I was genuinely surprised with how much Pittsburgh was feeling the, the Deleters of Worlds. Regularly speaking, though, they haven't been getting as good of a reaction. No, Hardy and Wyatt are dumb. All the novelty and entertainment that both gimmicks 
once provided for me is completely dead. Like, I love both guys, but this is dumb. I'm really hoping with the way that it ended that we kind of get back on track with Bray Wyatt. You know what the sad part about this is, though? Normally when tag titles change hands and there's a chance that we can get like some kind of a feud out of it or something like that, I start thinking of like potentials of where I'd like to see these people go. And for the most part with Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy, I kind of just don't want to see them do anything for a while. Like I don't want to see them go over to SmackDown or uh, I don't want to see a feud between the two anymore. I don't want to see them continue to fight for the tag titles. I kind of just want them both to sort of go away for a couple of months. I mean, this is going to sound horrible, but an injury, especially to Wyatt, would really help him right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, it would just, stop him from being lost in the shuffle, at the very least. Yeah, just going away and coming back as Bray Wyatt, the Eater of Worlds, and maybe even you know getting back together with the Bludgeon Brothers would be just the best thing they could do for him. By the way, they're really good, too, and we'll talk about them in a bit, but... I know you didn't watch the post show and the B team ended the post show and hmm. they were hysterical. They're celebrating and they're, they're like, go, oh, what are we going to do now? Oh, I want to go to Disney world. I have kids. This is Curtis Axel. I have kids. Let's go to Disney world. And Bo Dallas says, we're going to get wings, but we're not going to get them hot. Cause I don't like them hot. And we're already <laughs> hot. We're going to get a mild. We're going to get a mild. We're going to get wings. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the greatest, like, you know that this isn't going to go any further, but this is just so funny. What do you think the over-under is that they lose the titles on Monday? Knowing WWE, I would not be surprised. If Ambrose is ready to go, I wouldn't be surprised if Rollins and Ambrose take out the B team tomorrow. If not them, then I wouldn't be surprised if the revival <laughs> took out the B team or the authors of pain. I don't see them having it for long, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I think AOP is getting those belts before SummerSlam. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it could happen tomorrow. It could be one of those things where they go, okay, well, we're going to have a rematch from last night because the leaders of worlds want their rematch and the B team retains. And then it's like two weeks from now or so. Is when they drop the titles, but I, I can't imagine the B team holding those belts. Not even necessarily going into SummerSlam, let alone if they do. I can't see them defending it at SummerSlam. You know, like, they'll be they'll be on the pre-show with Pride. That yeah, that kind of a scenario works. But maybe they do actually invest in them. Maybe it's one of those things where it's like the pre-show of SummerSlam is like. The B team versus the revival versus Titus Worldwide versus uh, the Ascension or Slater and Rhino. Dude, I would love to see the Ascension get a shot to be something serious again in 2018. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Well, with with uh, Brazongo out of the picture and now that they don't have anyone to be sidekicks to, maybe they will be. Were they still doing the sidekick thing? I haven't seen Fashion Files in a long time. I have no Actually, clue. shit, are they still doing Fashion Files? They weren't. Uh, they're not now that he's out. Yeah, I haven't. I don't remember the last time I had seen one of them, though. A couple of I, months. I'm also waiting for a return to Prince Pretty, but that's another story. Yeah. 
So B team wins the titles. Decent way to kick off the night. Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin follows that up. Balor Hold wins on. by pinfall. That what the one that followed that up wasn't uh, the SmackDown Women's title. Nope. Oh, all right. I have my matches mixed up. But this match was exactly what you would expect it to be. Uh, I do have some notes here. Uh, Finn Balor, you know, he's he's a great talent, but I just, I'm having such a hard time getting invested in him, man. I want to, but I'm just having a hard time with it. Corbin should never do a sunset flip, even <laughs> if it's just to set up a Finn Balor move. He should never do it. Like, it looks so awkward. And uh, even more is, awkward was the fact that he's still doing that hair movement entrance. Yeah. What do you think it's like wrestling in corporate casual? Eh, I think it's okay. Um, okay. So the next note I have here is two matches in and it's only 7.30. Fuck. <laughs> Well, you know, you got to think the 30-minute Iron Man match and stretch that out, right? Uh, for what? Like for, for 20 seconds? Yep. We'll get to that. <laughs> I really wasn't all that into this Corbin-Balor match. I was, you know, a little bit busy just, like, talking to people and having fun. It seemed okay from what I saw, but I really kind of spaced a little bit on it. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, um, after that, they had a little segment backstage where the Bludgeon Brothers were shown beating the hell out of Team Hell No. So we'll get into that a little bit later on as a, a negative in my mind. Then they had a SummerSlam commercial, and it was it was memes. <laughs> the SummerSlam commercial is a take on memes, and I don't know how I feel about that. I didn't see it actually. What oh. was it like? It was just like generic. You know, picture, top text, bottom text style memes. And it was like that feeling when you know SummerSlam's around the corner. And then it's just, you know, that generic text that says, woo. And it was just, it was so, hey, we're trying to be hip and cool. How do you do, fellow kids? And I I didn't like it. But no mention of Lesnar. Hmm. Well, I guess that's playing it safe. Like, there was uh, Bliss was mentioned, Rollins was featured, no mention of Lesnar. I'll have to check that out a little bit later and see if that's uh, anything stands out to me, but I'm not surprised to hear that, that there's no Lesnar there. I mean, that is kind of part of the story, right? You know? Right. So, at this point, if they start advertising him as being like, oh, you know how he's going to pop up at SummerSlam, and then... Angle comes out the next night and he's like, we still don't know if he's going to pop up at SummerSlam. It'll be like, uh, look at the promo, Kurt. Like, you know? So that doesn't shock me too much. Uh, that's when we went into the SmackDown Women's Championship match. The stipulation for this one was that James Ellsworth was going to be hanging from a shark cage, which he only did for a few minutes. Kind of defeated the purpose of it. All right. Everybody hated this match. Yep. I talked to some people from WrestleZone. I talked to some other people. I was genuinely entertained by the nonsense of James Ellsworth. I guess because I I went into this match with zero expectations, except one, and it turned out to not be true. I expected uh, Asuka to win, but she didn't. And I just want to shout out Callum here because he asked us, 
Can somebody please explain why they're so determined to bury Asuka in less than a year? And I don't know. I like Asuka at this point, what is she going to do? Wrestle men? She's been beating up, you know, the guys more than the women on SmackDown. So maybe she's going to wrestle Nakamura at SummerSlam. Who knows? It really is kind of a shitty situation for Asuka. Uh, Freddie dropped a comment in the comment section on the website just saying Asuka's done. And it's like, you know what? Really? It kind of feels like that because yeah. she lost to WrestleMania, which was like, okay, she didn't need to lose to Charlotte. It wasn't like Charlotte needed it. It wasn't like that led to anything in particular because it wasn't like, uh, you know, that okay, kind of the situation with like Nakamura. Nakamura loses at WrestleMania and he turns heel. Asuka loses and nothing. Nothing. Then she loses no, the tag well, team she, match. She said congratulations. <laughs> yeah, then she acted happy about it practically. <laughs> yeah. Then she loses the tag team match, which is like, okay, all right, she lost another thing, but you can at least argue that she didn't take the pinfall. It was a tag team match. She'll get back on track. And she loses to Carmella. And that's when, I mean, I had written like two articles about it saying it's not good that she lost to Carmella. Carmella was somebody who has never been booked as somebody who is like a legitimate fighter. She's only been like a cheat, a heel. And to but, be fair, she was booked cheap here, but it's just the fact that Asuka lost again. Yeah, this was the attempt to say we're doing a rematch because this is when Asuka's going to win the title to offset those recent losses and the fact that we didn't want to put the title on her at Money in the Bank. Having her stretch this out and lose another time, it shows me two things. Maybe it's not true, but this is what my takeaway is. Number one, they gave up on Asuka. And number two, they didn't know anything else to do. So that's why they were just I'm like, going, how about you I'm just do a rematch? I think it's a combo. I think it was just like, well, we don't have any plans to put the belt on Asuka. Well, I don't think they've given up on Asuka. I think... I think this shows the danger of streaks. Like, if you would have just gotten rid of the stigma in NXT, there wouldn't have been this pressure to create something amazing from the streak. And now that they've ended it, it's almost like they're so happy that they can beat her that they just want to keep beating her. You know? Yeah, like, all right, well, now that she is vulnerable... She can put everybody over, which if they do that too much, then Asuka's going to lose all of her credibility because right now she's already at a point if more than it's not just me who's saying like, oh, Asuka's done and stuff. It seems like a lot of people are. If people have that kind of an impression and this was a chance for her to win the title back, if she would have won the title, then it would have been, you know, a rehabilitation phase. Now that she hasn't, what is there really left for Asuka to do? Is she going to just not wrestle all that much for the next couple of months? Like, she's not going to head into WrestleMania as being, like, some super mega push kind of thing again, you know? Do you know what her contract is like and when it ends? No idea. I don't know. I think... I still think she gets the belt before SummerSlam, and we do a rematch with Charlotte at SummerSlam. At this point, I'm thinking that they didn't put the title on Asuka because they want to put it on Becky. I don't think I still don't see them having faith in Becky. I would love it if they do because Becky's so great, but I just, I, I don't know. It's one of those things where 
I don't want to see them forgo Asuka. You know, Asuka deserves something. I know it's, well, there's peaks and valleys and blah, blah, blah. But if you're not careful, Asuka can become a Ziggler. And yes, Ziggler's on a high right now. But it wasn't all that long ago that I would say Dolph Ziggler and everybody would groan. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't want that for Asuka. Here's another thing that's kind of bugging me about the Asuka thing. I was thinking that if Asuka won and she held the title for a while, whatever, she could go into WrestleMania as a heel or a babyface, technically. And I don't know who she would fight, but that's also another problem. I don't think that the SmackDown women's roster right now has a lot of options for it something. Because what do you do? If you, for instance, if they go with the Becky Lynch route, Becky Lynch wins the title at SummerSlam from Carmella. She holds the title at least past Survivor Series, so that way they could do Ronda Rousey versus uh, Becky Lynch. And then Becky could hold the title or she could drop it. But maybe it's like Becky versus Asuka at like Royal Rumble or something like that. I don't know. Maybe Asuka's turned heel, maybe Becky's turned heel in the process, whatever the case may be. You rule out those two, necessarily. I don't think that that's really even a WrestleMania feud, but Asuka versus Billy Kay? No. Becky versus Billy Kay? No. Same thing with Peyton Royce, same thing with Lana, same thing with Mandy Rose, same thing with Sonya Deville, same thing with Tamina, same thing with Naomi. There isn't really anything on there. It's somebody that they can build to something great. Uh, I think that they're past that point. I think that that would take a long time and a lot of luck. Let me just say that this card and this match, too, I didn't hate this match. I was actually thoroughly entertained by the shenanigans and even the Carmella tossing Asuka into the cage. I thought that was that looked pretty rough, you know, but there were certain things on this show that made me go. I wouldn't hate a unified brand. Mm hmm. This kind of makes me sad about that because I kind of agree. Uh, I feel bad about Asuka. Um, I guess we'll see what happens on SmackDown. But Speaking there, of SmackDown. There's which... the type of scenario with the whole offsetting the losses that I think continues on to the United States title thing. But in a good way. Like The downside from Asuka was she's lost a bunch of times now. She's lost her credibility. Nakamura they did the right thing with Nakamura. <laughs> yeah, Nakamura loses a bunch of times, and it's like, oh my god, if he doesn't win the United States title, he's going to be fucked. And they start off with a low blow, and then a complete squash. Yep. Thought it was great, fantastic. And at first, I thought, well, then Hardy can't go. But then they announced the rematch for Tuesday, so maybe he can. Oh, that, is, that is happening on Tuesday. Yeah, that is happening. They announced it right before the main event. Um, So that is going to happen. But then there's the Randy Orton thing. (laughs) Yeah, I don't quite understand the Randy Orton thing. He comes out and he has a little bit of a stare down with Shinsuke Nakamura, which immediately my gut reaction was, oh, okay, I guess this means that we're getting Randy Orton versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the United States title at SummerSlam. Which, by the way, great match. Could potentially be, yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And then he (laughs) kicks Jeff Hardy in the balls. So I put it just kick him in the balls. He he stomped him in the balls. He stomped him in the balls viciously. And poor Jeff, like, uh, 
the thing that's confusing me about this does that qualify as a heel turn and this is one of the few times where i mean everybody jumps on those heel turns on the website there's been god knows how many times that people have been like oh well clearly this person turned heel clearly this person uh somebody even recently put up a thing saying that they thought that nakamura turned babyface tonight which i was like wait a minute what but um I don't know if I buy the Randy Orton heel turn right now. I have him down as possibly turned heel because he is Randy Orton. His character has consistently for the entire time that he's been in WWE been a dick. So yeah, <laughs> it's like, did he do that just to prove a point or did he do that? Cause he's a bad guy right now. If he one did that cause he's he... bad, you get heel versus heel at SummerSlam. Well, one thing you know about Randy and they kind of acknowledge this too, is like, well, Randy always just kind of does whatever he wants. If he wants to be a dick, he's going to be a dick. Uh, he's going to stop a dick. He's going to stop a dick. Yeah. You know, and I'm leaning more towards triple threat at SummerSlam because he kind of did that. And then he looked at Nakamura like, yeah, you're not such a badass. I can do that, too. You know, you're, you're not so evil. I can hit people in the dick, too. But they're not they're not just gonna gonna put, you know, Nakamura and Randy in a balls of steel match. Like I, I think Jeff Hardy gets in there, we have a triple threat at SummerSlam, and they continue this trend of like main event caliber matches for the US title. I'm down with it. At the very least, I'm interested in where they go with this Randy Orton thing. Gotta give him credit for that. They got me to go, huh. And now when SmackDown happens, I'm gonna be paying a little bit more attention to it. So, thumbs up for that segment. I really like the low blow and stuff. Not gonna worry, it was fun with that. Steel Cage match followed that up. Braun Strowman against Kevin Owens. And Woo! credit for calling it. You know. <laughs> Callum nailed it. He must have had that crystal ball. Because... It's a good thing that Orton didn't stomp on it. Yeah. Fucking... Braun Strowman. Let's just skip right to the finish here. Braun Strowman chucked Kevin Owens off the top of the cage through the announce table that was gross yeah and that's exactly pretty much what callum was saying i mean you weigh the options do you lose the match in favor of beating the shit out of owens or do you bring it back in and potentially lose later or whatever like that then it just goes ah, i'm braun Strowman. fuck it i'm just gonna toss you and i loved it that was and great it was more vicious because i think callum was pitching it like you know owens is halfway out he's dangling and Strowman just lets him drop no, Strowman stood up on top of this cage and choke slammed him with a toss through the English announce table. And that was pretty fucking vicious. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. I really love that kind of a characterization for Strowman that he's sort of like, I don't need to win. And the thing I would prioritize more is Owen's looking like a jackass and i mean he gets stretchered out because of it so strum is happy you know one thing i liked is they didn't even announce owens as the winner and they didn't even play his music braun just kind of said out loud and your winner is kevin owens and laughed maniacally as owens was stretchered out and i like it because braun can kind of say okay i'm done with owens so lesnar's coming I have this fucking briefcase, and I'm not waiting. 
And I don't know if I want to see this feud continue or not, because I think that if it finished, I'm okay with it. I but at the same time, I'm... For a while. I think Owens is going away. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. And that kind of brings in the question, then what do you do with Strowman afterward? And then that brings in the whole Brock Lesnar thing and all that. And then that gets a little dicey. But if they did this to keep Owens out of uh, the SummerSlam mix, I'm not opposed to it. Me neither. Especially if this ends up being a scenario where just, you know, snowballing here. uh, Snowballing. Spitballing. That's the thing. I guess technically (laughs) it snowballs because it goes from one thing to another. But, you know. Maybe Braun Strowman wins that universal title, and maybe Kevin Owens comes back, and we get Kevin Owens versus Braun Strowman in a Hell in a Cell match. And it's the pay-per-view that follows, you know? You know, right now, the building is still advertising Reigns and Owens for Hell in a Cell, but you never know. That doesn't seem to make any sense at this point, you know? You, You never really know with this company. I'm just glad that they did something that helped build a character one thing i'll say this show had a lot of moments it kind of was a moment by moment show like this was um yeah i've been listening to a lot of bruce pritchard's podcast and stuff so that he's been mentioning some terms that i'm sure get thrown around backstage probably not as much anymore but like that pat patterson likes to say give them all the gaga yeah a lot of gaga in this There's a lot of gaga on this show <laughs> i mean lady gaga no it's a different story <laughs> um i had this is actually past the uh, Nakamura segment. I had four matches in, and it's only been an hour. Remind me again why they couldn't do an hour-long Iron Man match. And, uh, <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. What happened after this? This was... This, oh, is, this was the um, SmackDown tag titles. Speaking of the whole... All the Gaga and stuff, the Hel- Team Hell No get attacked earlier in the night. And then... Instead of both of them coming out for the tag title match, it's just Daniel Bryan against the Bludgeon Brothers. Until Kane does show up, but he's got a boot on. Bad mistake. I think that this ruined everything. This could have been a lot more fun. They did the injury angle. That hindered what Bryan could do. It hindered what Kane could do. The handicap thing didn't work for me. I just didn't like it. I think that they really dropped the ball with this. Yeah, I agree. I just kind of wrote, surprising, Brian's return is really meh sometimes. Like, this is one of those things where it's like, you have Daniel fucking Brian. And yes, I know you don't just hot shot people to the top, but you kind of had the one thing that wasn't the world title that people were pretty interested in in Brian's career. And they just kind of said, okay, they're going to get jumped and there's not going to be anything of it because even though it's a handicap match, Kane's still going to show up and nothing's going to come of that and Brian will eat a pinfall and that's it. Like, it was just really weird. No Dr. Shelby segment? Missed opportunity there? Yeah, man, what the fuck? (laughs) I mean, if they uh, have Dr. Shelby and they've got this story with uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey, and they've got Team Hell No, and they're going to be on a crossover thing, it's like, was there, like, you know, did Dr. Shelby, the, the guy himself playing the character, did he, like, have a family emergency and they couldn't do this? Or are they not going to continue the uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey thing or something like that? Like, there has to be a reason why, other than just, oh, we didn't think about it. Because if you didn't I think about it, it's like, a whole staff of writers didn't think about this? 
I'd believe more that he he had a family emergency and and or a prior commitment. But you cannot tell me that that wasn't at least thought of. But with the way they did this Team Hell No thing, maybe something else happened. I don't know. It was really weird. And I don't get it at all. I thought that they just, they really dropped the ball with this. I even, I don't know if you saw in the triple threat chat, I had penciled in because I thought I was smart. Well, Brian was in a two-on-one situation and then out came The Miz and The Miz and Brian are tag team champions. And they Hmm. did not do that. (laughs) Yeah, no Miz interference tonight either. Which I know that he was doing that um, the All Star game, but it was earlier in the night, and it was in Washington D.C., so it wasn't like he couldn't have taken a flight to Pittsburgh, you know. So I really, things were... I just kind of feel like they didn't check off anything. Like it, it, you might as well not have even had Team Hell No. You might as had well as have had them against the Usos. They did check off one thing: the Bludgeon Brothers are fucking badasses, but I don't know if they're going to be consistent enough. With the Bludgeon Brothers to make it mean anything, but they did establish do not sleep on Harper and Rowan. They're kind of in that category of, I'm going to say Ziggler again, where at any point they can be such a legitimate threat, depending on how they want to use them. Mm, I don't know. I kind of, um, I'm kind of thumbs down on them now. Yeah. I really sort of feel like by this point, They've had more than a couple of months, and they haven't shown me that they are anything other than the same Wyatt family people that they were. Well, because they are, and they should be in the Wyatt family, but they don't want to do that. But whatever. I really would have liked to see both of them get a repackaging, though. Well, they've tried several times with Harper and Ronan. It's weird. They came in as the Wyatt family. They split them up. Harper went on to kind of be this rough redneck hillbilly type of guy who was even doing some bidding for the authority had a great ladder match with Ziggler Rowan went on to be revealed as like some Mensa genius who didn't like bullies and they were on opposite ends of a Survivor Series match but they like they didn't really go with it you know like he he was supposed to be like a Mensa guy but he still wore that stupid garbage bag jumpsuit kind of thing yeah and the sheep mask has continued, and yeah, and now they just gave a different mask to Harper. The only thing different from them right now versus when they were in the Wyatt family, other than the fact that they are not called the Wyatt family, they traded Bray Wyatt for hammers. That's literally the only thing. <laughs> if you replace um, those two hammers with Bray Wyatt standing there with in a, or sitting there in a rocking chair, it's the same act. So I really would have rather had seen like – you know, maybe Eric Rowan shaves off his beard and maybe Luke Harper changes his hair up and they change their ring gear up and then maybe they're on separate brands and Eric Rowan goes down to NXT and is like a big tough guy in NXT and maybe Luke Harper is more along the lines of like a McFoley type or something. Like, you know, like they, they could have done something, but instead they're like, hey, can you be Wyatt family without Wyatt? And it's so clear that they know that they have the ability because the fact that they've repackaged them and always put them so close to the top every time shows you that they know. Like when they brought back the Wyatt family and broke them up again, you know, Wyatt was doing the main event of SmackDown close to WrestleMania season last year. And so you know that they have the ability. It's just a thing where I think they get cold feet. 
and they just put them wherever they're comfortable putting them because they don't know what else to do. So really, at this point, it's them against sanity or nothing else matters, right? Yeah, I don't know if they're going to move to sanity immediately, though. I think, do we stretch out the hell no for a month? Maybe. Maybe this is another thing where it's just kind of like, well, you got you guys jumped us and we want a legitimate shot, so let's have another match at SummerSlam. Well, Which, if, if they, they do, do that, that, then it's kind of bothersome because I always hate when they do that kind of shit. But if they do that, I think it's a huge waste of Brian in the Brooklyn market. But if they do it, I hope that the Hardy Wyatt thing is finished and I hope Wyatt finds his ass on SmackDown with the Bludgeon Brothers. Because if you're going to just leave them as the Wyatt family, make them the Wyatt family. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Or maybe cut your losses with uh, the Matt Hardy Woken character right now. Maybe you just reform the Hardy Boys. Either way, one of them ends up on SmackDown. I could see that. Um, Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns was next. Which is surprising as hell. I was really shocked. I mean, at that point, it was like, okay, wow, they're going to go with the, the Iron Man match for the finish. I did not see them having that kind of mentality. That's but this match... My mind went to Ronda Rousey and Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax actually being the main event just to get the Ronda Rousey thing as the last segment. Uh, I thought that would have way too much extra stuff with it. I mean, we'll get to that in a minute, but um, Lashley Reigns, I thought it was kind of a dud. Uh, did you expect anything else? This nope. was the one <laughs> match at Extreme Rules that needed Extreme Rules, and they didn't give it to him. They gave you a straightforward match, and the people shit all over it. As you would expect with a fucking Roman Reigns match in the Northeast. They changed Bobby Lashley. We want Beach Balls. Lashley's actually cheered. So I'll eat my words because I had said on the pre-show that I think if you put the two guys together, I think people go for Roman. And nope. They're so over Roman that it was just like, Lashley? Fuck yeah. Like, uh... I just have nothing that stood out to me about this except for one thing. And this is not the type of thing that WWE would be thinking we want people to have as a takeaway for this match. Bobby Lashley sweats a lot. <laughs> That's the only takeaway I had from this. Yeah, he's dripping like crazy. I had two takeaways. So the first was in Rowan's entrance where Michael Cole goes, He's the most polarizing superstar in WWE today. And that made me sad because that meant that, like, they officially do not view John as a full-time guy. And it just kind of made me sad for a second. And then the way Roman lost was so overbearingly cocky that I'm like, all right, maybe they're going to turn him heel. Maybe. Because it was so like, yeah, bitch, this is my yard. What are you going to do? My yard. Ooh, ah. Runs for the spear, gets speared, gets pinned like a fucking bitch. And the spear sucked, too. And the spear sucked because Lashley Lashley is good, but he's got to be in Lesnar mode. Like, he's got to be a badass heel guy. He can't be... Come on, everybody, get behind me. Yeah. No, he's got to be a heel. And I think 
Roman Reigns is fine as babyface, but the fans aren't taking it. So at this point, you gotta turn. You gotta. You just. I I don't usually go and drone on about the Roman thing, but you gotta turn him heel at this point, especially with that performance in that match. You talked a big game, and you got caught for the third time this year. You talked a big game with Lesnar, and every time you get in there with him, Lesnar catches you. You talked a big game with Lashley, and every time Lashley gets a hold of you, you fall. The only person that Roman Reigns has beaten cleanly in 2018, Jinder Mahal. Because even the chamber, Braun Strowman left him laying. And Braun did all the fucking work. So, like, at some point, you have to acknowledge, like, what are we doing here? You can't call him the big dog when he loses all the time, and... Can't call him a baby face when he gets booed. And you can't honestly sit there and say that he wasn't being a cocky prick tonight. (laughs) And making him lose matches like this hasn't gotten him to get cheered. People aren't, like, sympathetic. Did you notice in the video package where, like, they focused in on every sign that's like, yay, Roman, I love it when it rains, kind of, that was one sign that I noticed, I love it when it rains, it was like a little two-year-old holding the sign, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that filter. <sighs> so, nothing to write home about, but... The main story for Raw occurred earlier in the night when Kurt Angle said, we're going to know tomorrow what we're doing with Brock. And that was the story. Do you think they're going Lashley uh, Lesnar? SummerSlam? Um, I don't think... Ro- if Roman's going to turn heel, he does it because they put Lashley against Lesnar in a one-on-one match. And he kind of... He does the Bret Hart 97 where he's just like, no, this is my match. This is bullshit. What about me? You know, like, the I whole, can like, uh, you know, I'm sick and tired of. <laughs> yeah. And I've been screwed and you've screwed me and fuck this. And like, I can actually see that working if they do it. If they have the balls to just do it, I can see that working. How great would it be if like Roman comes out on raw tomorrow night and he just gets a microphone and he's like you know fuck everybody <laughs> and he just drops them like and they're like oh crap we gotta bleep that out like that'd be great to just be him being like no fuck you fuck you fuck you did you ever see um half baked yeah where he, the guy quits and he's like fuck, fuck you me. fuck you fuck you you're cool and fuck you i'm out <laughs> like that kind of thing uh, I would, again, we're fantasy booking and it's easy to get excited when you get in this mode, but, and they need to do something with Roman and all the pieces are in play. It's not even like we're being, you know, armchair quarterbacks and yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. No, all the pieces are right in front of your face. Just pull the trigger and you'll have a much more excited crowd for Brooklyn. Yeah, I don't know where they're going to go 100%, but uh, I I didn't really like this match. So if all they go with is, hey, we tore the house down, that'll be like, no, you didn't. And then they'll be like, so I think that the fans want to see this again. We should do this again at SummerSlam. I'll be like, oh, I don't fucking care. You know? If they do anything close to that, that just shows ignorance. Mm-hmm. Watch that. Had to be the case. Ignorance. <laughs> 
Unfortunately, I have to be weak, uh, or weak, I'm reading one of my notes. Uh, I have to be down on the next thing, too. It's an Extreme Rules match between Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax for the Raw Women's Championship, and yeah, weak was my main note. Uh, weak chair shots, weak use of Mickey James and Natalia and Ronda Rousey. There were botches in this. It didn't seem like anybody really knew what they wanted to do. I didn't feel any kind of threat for Nia Jax's title or for Alexa Bliss uh, to drop the title to Nia Jax. I just really didn't like this segment. You know, it would have been so great if it just would have been Alexa Ronda. And I think because they want to stretch it out for the money match at SummerSlam, you kind of get this weird in between. Uh, My favorite whole thing in the match was in the beginning where Alexa it's almost like a cartoon where Alexa's or Mickey's handing Alexa just a bunch of random objects from under the ring alright use this doesn't work You use this it doesn't work and then Corey just goes who puts all of this under the ring I guess we have kendo sticks under the ring a case of ninjas and it's like <laughs> I didn't guess that. <laughs> it's so funny that he goes, and by the way, why why do we have all these trash can lids without handles? <laughs> just like, God, Corey on the mic tonight is probably MVP. He was shouting out all these random Pittsburgh hotspots and like just pretty much openly joking in like a Bobby Heenan style on the show. And I just loved it. Yeah, see, this match, though. Yeah. Yeah. It was what it was. I stopped taking notes after the Lashley-Reigns match because everything else was pretty straightforward, and I was actually invested in the main event. Well, partially. So we're going Alexa-Ronda. Ronda wins the title. I mean, it's. I kind of want to just hit the fast-forward button a little bit. But it's annoying because you have all these other characters in play. Nia's in play, and Natalia's in play, and Mickey's still in play. And I I just don't know. Like, I don't know what you do. Well, you got Mickey versus Ronda at some point on the road to SummerSlam. You've got Alexa drops the title to Ronda. They probably have a rematch at Hell in a Cell. And then you've got... How many... What, what events do you have after that? You've got... The Super Showdown. Yep. And then Survivor Series. And then TLC. Royal Rumble. Elimination Chamber. Fast Lane. WrestleMania. Uh, all right, take it easy. You're starting to like push us into the spring of 2019 already. And that's oh, exactly. Scary. That's what I'm going with. Because Ronda Rousey fights, uh, fights Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam and Hell in a Cell. Then she moves on to somebody else for the Super Showdown. Bailey or Sasha Banks, maybe. And then she fights Becky Lynch. If she wins the title from Carmella, she fights her at Survivor Series. And then you've got TLC. You go with the other one, either Bailey or Sasha. Then you go with uh, maybe Natalia at the Royal Rumble. Charlotte wins the Royal Rumble. Then Ronda doesn't have to fight at Elimination Chamber or Fastlane. And you if know, she does, she fights in a tag team match or something like that. 
This is a little controversial. Well, I guess because nobody else on the wrestling fan perspective is probably thinking about it. But the more I think about Ronda at WrestleMania, the more I just go, the money match, if she can go, and a lot of people might not be seeing it, is Ronda Nikki Bella. I think that's your best bet. Maybe not from an in-ring perspective, but from a it's WrestleMania get the most eyes on the product. You can tell a really good story with Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella. And I would like to see them get there. I don't think they do. I I honestly, you're talking about Ronda versus Mickey at some point going towards SummerSlam. I don't see her wrestling on Raw. Maybe not. At the very least, the uh, the live events. If she pops up, she will. Yeah, maybe she wrestles her at the uh, uh, like SummerSlam Showdown in Madison Square Garden or something. You think at this point that Ember Moon should just go over to SmackDown? Oh, man. A lot, again, unified brand. A lot of girls are struggling right now. Hmm. We're going to figure out more about this uh, situation with the women's division tonight and tomorrow. Or, well, Monday. Uh, well, I don't even think we will because if you think about it, Ronda's got the Raw division on lock. And even Becky and Bailey and Sasha look not all that special in comparison. And I think the way that they start indicating what is going to happen with Carmella is going to be a major indicator of where they go in the future. Yeah. And it sucks because there's, there's so many talented women on this roster. And I feel like they're starting to fall by the wayside. Yep. I agree. Oh, what do we have here? Second to the last match was the AJ Styles versus Rusev WWE Championship match. Not bad. Uh, the crowd was dead for the beginning of it. That was kind of weird. A couple spots in there where Rusev looked pretty good. And overall, for a match that was a throwaway thing, I liked it. I I don't know if I would really go with like having another match in the future. I think that's kind of a waste. And uh, I know Dane, at the very least, was kind of excited thinking that Rusev was going to win the title and stuff. But my idea of Styles going forward is I think that he needs to not only fight Samoa Joe at um, SummerSlam, but I think he needs to drop the title. He's held it long enough at this point. And Samoa Joe really, really needs that title just to kind of, you know, legitimize him a little bit because he hasn't done shit on the main roster. Joe wasn't even a part of this at all. This whole Extreme Rules thing goes by, and Joe does not factor in. They had that whole match with Ty Dellinger that was supposed to happen. Didn't even bother having it on the card. So even, like, leading up to last week's SmackDown, they still weren't even sure about what they wanted to do with him. Then again, we're talking about the same company that did the Sin Cara Andrade Almas thing. So I'm hoping that this means that Styles and Samoa Joe is what is going forward, and maybe they just finally pull the trigger and turn Rusev babyface because as far as I'm concerned there aren't really legitimate babyfaces in the mid card for Shinsuke Nakamura to fight Rusev could be one of those well that's not to say I'm really all that interested in a mid card feud with Rusev and Nakamura but not all that much either but they kind of need it because who else is in the mid card right now Randy Orton might be a heel Jeff Hardy might be injured Ty Dillinger, I like him, but they don't seem to want to give him a push. Almas is definitely a heel. 
I think Randy, if if Jeff is legitimately injured, Randy can get by as a baby face. And it's like, oh, well, I did that because I'm the Viper and I do what I want, <laughs> you know? Or to get uh, Hardy back for that little shit that they did before. Right. Um, this Russo has to turn face, though, I think. For, this, uh, for the WWE title, slipped my mind five times during the night. I, not a second did I think that AJ Styles was going to lose his title. And Aiden English clearly cost Rusev the match accidentally, so they're clearly going to turn Rusev babyface, and they're going to move forward with that, which is great, but Rusev is still over as a meme, and I will say it every single time until he drops the fucking Rusev Day thing. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny to chant. I like saying, happy Rusev Day. It's Rusev Day. But he's over as a meme, and that is what it is. And I'm really ready for AJ Styles to do something meaningful. And it has to be with Joe. Well, it doesn't have to be Joe, but Joe has to be a part of this movement to make him more serious if they wanted to skyrocket him to brian at this point i wouldn't care as long as it's something that means something hmm. i mean styles brian i think is one of those potential wrestlemania matches but it all depends on if he uh, resigns too well, he, listen dude he is we'll talk about that more on the hot tags because i know there was a thing where it's like hey Maybe he did resign because he's on dates past his contract expiration, but he's got to resign. There's no way he's going to be that stubborn and be like, oh, Bree, I love you and I love that I'm secure and stable, but I'm going to go wrestle for CMLL because I have wrestling needs. (laughs) Like, (laughs) come on. It's just not going to happen. Maybe not, but well, that's another thing that we're going to have to get a little bit more information going forward. I'm expecting Samoa Joe on this episode of SmackDown to like attack AJ Styles and just kind of build because we have, uh, let me try to figure this out, how many weeks we have until SummerSlam. I think SummerSlam is on something like the 19th or so. So looking at my calendar right now, uh, one, two, three, four, like four or five weeks until SummerSlam. And that's not the longest time in the world, but it also is long enough that they can't just kind of have no idea of where they're going to go in the future. I I hope that they have a plan. That's basically all I really have to say. I hope that they have a plan. And the main event for the night was the 30-minute Ironman match for the Intercontinental Championship. Dolph Ziggler defending against Seth Rollins. They had... Quite a bit of like fanfare behind this for something that I didn't think was going to be in the main event. I really am happy that they did that because it helps you know the Intercontinental title, and it helps both Ziggler and Rollins. It gives us something a little bit different. It would have been a real bad mistake to go with uh, Reigns and Lashley at the end too. So, uh, match wise, the score was something that I was interested in. I wanted it to be more along the lines of like. Uh, 5-4, and we technically got 5-4. We did get 5-4. We got a 4-4 draw at the very beginning of it, and then that, of course, becomes like the whole, like, all right, when's Kurt Angle going to come out and call for overtime? Which he did. But here's my flaw with it. I I liked the match a lot. I thought it was really good. I thought that the sudden death thing was underwhelming. 
Yeah, because um, for those of you that didn't see it, Kurt Angle says, okay, we're going to do sudden death. And, oh, hey, look over there, Drew McIntyre. It distracts Seth Rollins. Hey, zigzag, one, two, three. Sudden death literally lasted the length of a three count. I just kind of thought if they were going to do that, that would have been the spot with Dean Ambrose. That he would have came in, he would have distracted Seth Rollins, and then it would have been like, oh my god, that's the big shock of the night kind of a thing. That's why we end with this big thing. Dean Ambrose is back, and he and Rollins are fighting, and for it to just be McIntyre again, it was just kind of like, alright, well then, that's kind of blah. It seemed like it was one of those things where they were just like, let's put the wrestling match in the main event. And Vince doesn't really like going an hour. And he doesn't, he must not like the overtime sudden death things because this is only the second time they've done it. The first and only being the Shawn Michaels thing. Uh, Just to go back into the match a little bit, I loved the pinfall situation because the whole time I was complaining, as were. A couple other people, you know, like Callum, why isn't this an hour? Every match is 30 minutes. You need to make this special. And they did with the amount of pinfalls that they had in 15 minutes. There were seven falls in 15 minutes. And I just thought that was fantastic. And then you even have the whole thing where it's like McIntyre cost Ziggler a fall by just getting in the ring and beating the fuck out of Rollins. Because he but can't it works. control himself. And it worked. Everything they did worked. Here's my gripe, and I'm going to say it for Callum because he's not here. Fuck the crowd. <laughs> I, I, Three minutes in, and I had to turn my goddamn volume down because they decided, because the clock was on the screen, that every time it hit the 10-second mark, they were going to go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, Five, four, three, two, one. And they couldn't just leave it. They had to go, because fucking Northeast has to be stupid. I liked it. <laughs> and I mean, yes. I liked it got, even more that they did it more than once. Like that they kept doing it. They and did it, it the even funnier. Time. And I mean, for you guys in the basement, probably fucking hysterical. For me, <laughs> who was so excited that these two guys were headlining the show. I was so pissed off. I just wanted to enjoy the fucking match. And they're just like, hey, look at us. We're going to fucking circle jerk and put ourselves over again because we have to be the most over thing on the show. And you know what Vince McMahon probably said to that? Well, you see, they wouldn't have done this to Roman. (laughs) But then somebody goes, yeah, what were the Shannon there in the Roman thing? (laughs) Uh, I didn't hear anything. Something about balls. Uh, Roman's got great balls or vascularity <laughs> striations or <laughs> yeah. the genetics on them. Um, I, I love the match. I hated the crowd so goddamn much. I, and the sudden death thing. I did say this. It was the first time in a long time that I wasn't angry in a, Oh, I have to review this as a critic. I was just like, you dastardly fucks. I was looking forward to this, and you just pulled the trigger in three seconds. Damn it, Ziggler and McIntyre. I kind of want to see what happens with you guys now. 
because the entire time leading up to this, I had said, I don't want to get too excited about Ziggler because I don't see them pulling the trigger. But between his promo on the pre-show and him getting the main event here and even winning, I'm starting to get excited again that maybe Dolph Ziggler is going to be a big-time player. Even if he isn't, the fact that they got you excited that, that that's a potential is a good thing. They, they they did their job. They really did. The one thing I'll say is they delivered on levels that I didn't think they were going to. I didn't expect all of the pinfalls. I didn't expect the clever things with like McIntyre gets Rollins up 3 nothing, but that allows Ziggler to just continue pinning Rollins to even it up. They did. It was good, and I, it's one of those things I never want to watch it on a compilation because I'd never want to watch the crowd. You know, I have to watch it on mute every single time. But it was good. And you know what I'll say about this show that I couldn't say about any show previous, not the Greatest Royal Rumble, uh, Backlash, or Money in the Bank? I'm excited for Raw because we know for a fact we're getting to the bottom of the Brock Lesnar thing. We know Lesnar's not advertised for Australia. We know Strowman's got a briefcase. So maybe, you know, we're finally going to get some movement on Raw. Outside of that, I love the fact that Ziggler and McIntyre continue to be big-time players. I want more of that. I want more of Rollins. I want less of Lashley. <laughs> I don't yeah. want less of Roman. I just want less of Lashley. <laughs> like uh, he's not doing it for me. Um, the B team was great. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I'd give the show a seven out of ten. I didn't hate it. I went into it with dreadfully low expectations, and I ended up just letting my mind go and enjoying myself. I thought it was kind of a, like, maybe a 60-40. I enjoyed it. It was like, there were some low points, some highlights. I'm not going to be adding this into my, like, uh, notes for the end of the year for anything in particular, you know? Well, maybe that fucking toss off the cage. (laughs) Yeah, that would be one of the only things. That that could be a potential best spot of the year. Other than that, though, like, no huge surprises to me. No, like... I think that they dropped the ball on certain things. Other things were pretty good. I'm glad that the Iron Man match went on last. That was kind of a surprise. But at the same time, I feel like they dropped the ball with the whole not having Dean Ambrose thing. But maybe they can't. Maybe he isn't ready to go. You know, there, there's a lot of factors like that. I, Team Hell No was the biggest disappointment to me. I think that that really just... That didn't fall anywhere near my expectations. And the two women's matches, those two. They just... Eh, they didn't do it for me. Yeah, I'm going to echo your sentiments and say, Daniel Bryan, this, we're starting to get to a point where, okay, kick it up a little bit because his return is really starting to feel like you're missing the fact that this was the biggest star in the last few years. I miss John Cena. I'm starting to really miss John Cena as a full-time guy. I think yeah, I'd be cool with him coming back. Oh, I, no Hulk Hogan tonight either. They did not mention Hulk Hogan. I guess we'll talk about that tomorrow. But yeah, that was interesting. Hmm. Maybe they're saving him for New York, brother. Maybe. 
Depends. Maybe they were just kind of like, uh, we need to test the waters a little bit. <laughs> um, I don't really have anything else to, to bring up to you. Oscar, if I'm going to just just say what disappointed me, Oscar disappointed me the most, I think. I'm so sad that she went from the biggest female and the winner of the female Royal Rumble to, okay, she's just another person on the card. And I'm ready for the Raw Women's Championship to be firmly in between Bailey and Sasha. I'm ready for it. I don't care. I don't care if people say we've seen it enough. I don't care. Bailey and Sasha will make that title so much more enjoyable for me. And here's hoping AJ Styles is a great match for SummerSlam. I kind of just, uh, part of me doesn't want to watch Raw and SmackDown this week. Part of me thinks it's going to be a lot of filler. Nope. I think tomorrow night will mean something. And then the next three weeks Ugh. will be filler. <laughs> I don't know. which. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see though. Um, per usual, of course, everybody, we will have the hot tags coming up later on tomorrow night after Monday Night Raw and after the table for three, which looks like it could be actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. The uh, main event for this next episode, uh, this next week, I should say, is going to be the mailbag. So I know some of you sent your questions in. If you haven't already, send them in as soon as you possibly can so we have time to kind of formulate them, get that template set up and everything and pass the questions around to everybody else who's going to do it. And also stay tuned for the round four talk, the semifinals of the Sexiest WWE Superstars Tournament. You've all disappointed uh, me. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. And I think that that's all that we got going up. So keep all that in mind, everybody. And one of the ways that you can be aware of when we post those videos up on the channel is to subscribe on YouTube and ring the little bell for notifications. But you could also, especially if you're listening to iTunes and Stitcher, you can also subscribe on Facebook and Twitter at Smartout Moment to be able to get the notifications there. Uh, SmartoutMoment.com, of course, has an RSS feed that you can subscribe to to get all the other notifications of the other things, like the weekly articles and any kind of extras that we put on top of that. We've got FanboysAnonymous.com for all the geek culture movie review type stuff. Uh, don't know exactly what the next thing is for me on that one. At the very least, Mission Impossible is coming up, so that's kind of interesting. And didn't you want to see me? Isle of Dogs? No, oh. not at all. I did just see the first purge the other day, though. Oh. And I'm not going to do a movie review point of it, but if you like the second and the third for, uh, purge movies, you'll like this one. Uh, first one sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Any plugs you want to toss out? Um, follow WrestleZone for your daily wrestling news. That's what I do from noon eastern to about 4 p.m tomorrow we will have well i said we i won't be in the live video of it but kevin kellum will be doing an interview with conrad thompson on the WrestleZone <laughs> live chat, chat. he's gonna chat him up on the live chat over at facebook.com slash com. so you know go check that out i believe it's conrad on monday double j jeff jared on tuesday so that's pretty cool. You can ask questions and be interactive. Uh, for me personally, I'll be doing the triple threat this week. So more talk about extreme rules. And then next week we'll be talking about the G1 climax from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Other than that, I'm on Twitter and 
Instagram at Dude Felice. And I'm hoping, knock on wood, by the time this is up, I'm finished with it. But Time Killer Apparel is back up with some new t-shirts and some new everything. And I'm going to try to be doing more with that brand. So, you know, head over to TimeKillerApparel.com and support me. <laughs> I, I was just thinking that there was like an extra little bit of that or something. I don't I there there should have been but you know and hey you're not just supporting me I have a shirt design up there that if you purchase it 50% of the proceeds go to the Trevor Project which is the leading provider of crisis intervention programs to the LGBT community so you know it's you're not just supporting me, you're supporting great causes and all all love there helps greatly. And that's it for me. All right, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening Cal to us. At Wigmeister14 on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> uh, keep uh, telling us your opinions in the comments section below per normal and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been another Smart Out Moment and we are being counted out. <laughs>